Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm Assistant Sports Editor Mark Faulkner, joined by beat reporter Ted Colfin. Coming up, we'll hear from Luke Hughes, the younger brother of Jack Hughes of the New Jersey Devils and Quinn Hughes of the Vancouver Canucks. Luke Hughes is 17 years old, a top-rated defenseman for the 2021 NHL draft, and he could wind up being drafted by the Red Wings. But first, Ted, the NHL trade deadline is one week from today, Monday, April the 12th at 3 p.m. A lot of Detroit players would be good pickups for contending teams. Jonathan Bernier, Mark Stahl, Luke Glenn Denning, Bobby Ryan. What do you think, though, Ted, is most likely to happen in the next seven days? I don't know, Mark. This is a very unique Mm-hmm. It really is a very unique trade deadline. Um, you wonder what teams think. You wonder whether teams think they're still contenders or not. There's a lot of there's a there's a certain dollop of teams there that are right at the at the playoff line. They have fourth seed in their divisions, and you wonder are they going to go for it and try to make the playoffs or whether they're just going to start selling off assets. It's going to be interesting. I mean, you got the Philadelphia's Nashville, Chicago, Columbus. Those are teams right off the bat that I could think Mm of Arizona or San Jose. They're so, you wonder what they're thinking. They're going to be thinking here in these next few days, or do they consider themselves a legitimate playoff team or not? Could really either flood the market or, diminish the market and maybe a team like the Red Wings can really sell off some of these pieces for you know a good amount of assets coming back it's going to be fascinating to watch and then just the whole thing with the Canadian division mm-hmm. uh, down their quarantine time but that could still be a factor and basically in that Canadian division you pretty much got your four teams I mean it doesn't seem like anybody's going to catch Montreal for that fourth seed or at least certainly appears like it right now so no, it's going to be a fascinating – and then a lot of teams are just so strapped with the salary cap. Right, right. Possible for them to wiggle out of that. So, very – it's been a very unique <laughs> mark, and I just we're going, to, we're going to get a very unique trade deadline, I believe, also. Quite, quite fitting in that regard, I suppose. You know, Ted, I spoke with a couple of NHL pro scouts last week. One of them expressed an interest in Mark Stahl, like most teams probably. The other thought – the return for players like Luke Glenn or a Jonathan Bernier would be a little bit lower this year, say a third rounder instead of a second rounder, a fourth rounder instead of a third rounder. The Wings already have two extra second round picks in the 2021 draft in the trades for Mark Stahl and Andreas Athanasiu, and they have an extra third round pick for Thomas Tatar. Now, some say, Ted, there's just too much uncertainty with this pandemic draft with players not playing that they should look ahead to the 2022 draft but I think Steve Eisenman might go in the opposite direction the best teams I believe have the best scouting staffs and they've watched the development of these players and it's an inexact science and it's one of the hardest jobs in hockey 
But I'll bet Al Murray in Tampa Bay and Chris Draper here in Detroit feel like they have an edge on other teams. And I think they would welcome trading Glenn Denning, Stahl, and Ryan for picks. My question is, though, would you take even one pick lower, say, a second instead of a uh, third, a third instead of a second? My question is, though, Ted, if you're Steve Eiserman, Pat Verbeek, and um, would, would you – my question, though, is, Ted, if you're Steve Eisenman or Pat Verbeek, would you take, say, a fourth rounder when you were expecting a third, or would you keep these players heading into the deadline? Those particular players, Mark, I think I'd keep. I mean, there's a certain mm-hmm. point this wouldn't go below that, especially like a Luke Glenn Denning. I think he he is a he is an asset. He really truly is. And if you know, if somebody would come in with an offer of a certain round, maybe first or second round, I off the top of my head. I would definitely listen and consider it. But I think a player like that's a little more valuable than, say, your common third or fourth round pick. And I really do think they're going to, they want to keep him for the short term here. I think I wouldn't be shocked at all if they do mm-hmm. send him for a certain amount of time. Bernie is going to be an interesting case, Mark, because he's, he's missed just enough time here in the last week or two where you kind of wonder whether that may have scared off some teams and and these teams that we were thinking might have a substantial amount of interest in him. Well, suddenly Pittsburgh's goaltending situation seems to be, have settled here recently. A team like Philadelphia that may have been interested in him has sort of dropped out of the race somewhat. Mm-hmm. Colorado has kind of stabilized its goaltending a little bit, but I still think they might be a team to watch, but, yeah, there's, you know, there's been factors where maybe a Bernier stays here now. And I agree with you with Mark, with Mark Stahl. I think Mark Stahl is going to be a good, solid addition for somebody. Will the return – well, would the return maybe underwhelm some fans? I think it might. It has a tendency to. I think we kind of overvalue some of these players. But uh, I think it'll be – considering Iserman also got a second rounder from the Rangers mm-hmm. just – him off so just to take the contract off their hands i think ultimately when you add it all up it's going to be quite a nice little haul for mark Stahl, who by the way has been an addition for this team he's in a he's i think he's kind of exceeded expectations somewhat ted the wings have only 16 games remaining they've been playing 500 hockey lately but in 40 games they've scored only 88 goals in comparison, Tampa Bay and Colorado, maybe the two best teams have 130 right. goals. So if you take Glenn Danning, Stahl, and Ryan out of this lineup, maybe Bernier, and I like your uh, analysis there that maybe maybe they will keep them, but what does it mean as far as the coaching future of Jeff Blasio, which we talked about? He's talked about a lot of his players not giving their A, B, or C games and some of these blowout losses. Right. It's the usual tension between a GM and a coach. You win today or win tomorrow. If you take all those players out of the lineup and you do get good value, what's left? And what would it be like for those final series, the final 12 games, because the Predators are upcoming and then a two-game series against the Blue Jackets. If all those players are gone and you have more draft picks for the 2021 draft, what's Jeff Blaschel left with? Well, it'll weaken the lineup, obviously, Mark. I mean, we saw it, we've seen it here the last several years, those last several weeks. I mean, you really put a bomb to that lineup. You're missing a lot of good mm-hmm. veterans. But I think it's understood, obviously. Obviously, every, somebody, everybody sees the lineup and you're missing some of those 
folks. It's. I think this will go straight up to the end of the season. I mean, we'll see. We'll have to judge the season on once what's it's completed. Um, mm. cer- certain nights, it's been disappointing, kind of head scratching how badly they look. But then they go into a weekend series like Tampa, and I tell you, Mark, I thought they outplayed Tampa for five out of the six periods, and it was mm-hmm. again. They certainly have that more than held their own against Tampa here these last two series against them. It'll be interesting to watch. I think you hate to straddle the fence, Mark, but I can <laughs> argument to keep them, and I can yeah. make an argument to, to let them go and start all over again. So let's wait until I – I think when we do our show May 10th or 11th or whatnot, I think we might have a clearer idea at that point. I still, still think it's to be determined now. Mr. Blaschel's coaching future here. Um, I think some of the players, some of the youngsters have improved, so that's definitely a plus for him. And I think you can make an argument that he's gotten every ounce out of this roster that you could. Mm-hmm. There have been some ugly losses, just like last season and the season before. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you lose some of these veterans, but you probably will next week. It's going to weaken the roster, but I think that's kind of understood in terms of there's only so much that the man has to work with. Uh, yeah, I, it'll end <laughs> up could be kind of gruesome, though. It's going to be a very young roster the last several weeks of the season. And there's always a plus side. Sometimes you make these moves and the youngsters come up and they play really exactly. well. Absolutely. You do need, Mark, you do need to see what a Giovanni Smith can do on sure. a regular yeah. basis. Uh, maybe they bring up, well, Chalowski and Gustav Lindstrom. Uh, those two guys, those are players that interest people. Give Taro Hirose one more last final shot. Just sure. this, this time of year, he might as well see what they can do. So there is that side of the argument too, Mark. Time now for our interview segment. Today's interview is with Luke Hughes. Joining us now is 17-year-old defenseman Luke Hughes, who is in year two of playing with the National Team Development Program in Plymouth. Luke, a year ago, I sat down with another NTDB defenseman, Jake Sanderson, who was preparing for the BioSteel All-American game at USA Hockey Arena. Jake went on to be the MVP of that game, but at the time, he was also lamenting the fact that his two years in Plymouth were about to come to an end. He was the captain of the team, And he wanted to savor each moment before the U18 Worlds and eventually the University of North Dakota. And, you know, Luke, in fact, Jake Sanderson just announced he's coming back for a second year, just as Cale McCarr did at UMass and just as your older brother Quinn did at the University of Michigan. But that's still a long ways away from you joining Michigan next year and having to make those decisions in your future. What are your thoughts then, Luke, about year two and how the season has gone for you? Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, going off of year one, I had a really good year. And then going into year two, I, you know, had a really good summer and, and, and good training. And, and that kind of propelled um, propelled me. And, and I think, um, you know, I had a really good year. Um, and, and we got a really good team. So that helps a lot. Luke, what about your leadership role? Your coach, Dan Muse, talked about how, you know, as a 17-year-old, second year that you've taken on more of a leadership role this year, what's that been like? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as a per- uh, I- I've grown as a person and a player. Um, you know, I think my role on the team 
as a leader has, has developed a little more in, into the mm-hmm. second year than, than in the first year. Um, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, I've, I've been trying to, trying to learn and, and grow as a, as a leader and as a teammate and, and just try to be myself. And, um, you know, we got a really, really, um, tight knit group, so it's not too hard. Um, and yeah, so. And how about the COVID protocols this year? What's it been like with your team not knowing, you know, as far as practices and travel and all the unknown, Luke, what's that been like? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we're, we're really lucky to be playing. You know, there's leagues all over the world that aren't playing. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think, you know, kind of our team motto this year was just, um, you know, take every day um, it, like it's going to be your last day because um, you never know when you're going to get shut down. You know, we got shut down twice this year. Um, but, you know, we are so lucky to, to, to play the amount of games that we played and, and just to be able to train and get better every day. So, um, you know, we are really lucky, and um, it, it didn't really phase us. Yeah, you know, Luke, you guys did play. You played 38 games, six goals, 28 assists, 34 points. How about your offensive game? How did, how did that develop this year? Yeah, I mean, I think my overall game has developed. Um, you know, I mean, you, you try to work on things in the summer and, and spring. And, um, you know, I think I just got bigger and stronger. And, um, you know, obviously um, um, your, your individual skills get better. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it wasn't about, you know, the points. It was just about how I play day to day and how, how um, you know, I, I try to help my team win. So, um, What weight are you at now, Luke? You said you put on some uh, weight. Um, yep, yep, 183. 180, so I, 183? Yeah, I was, yeah I, was like, I was like 165 going out of last year. So um, I gained about 18 pounds from um, the pandemic to now. So. And how did you do that with the strength and conditioning? How did that work out for you? Yeah, I mean, I worked out with Brian Galvin at USA um, okay. you know, all summer. And, and, you know, I trained with, um, you know, my brothers and, and their group. I, I skate with, you know, guys like Kyle Connor, um, Koff. Um, you know, Dylan Larkin every once in a while, um, mm-hmm. Zach Lansky every once in a while, and then obviously my brothers and, and guys like Alex Turcott and um, and uh, Trevor and uh, Cam York, so and Cole Caulfield. So we, we got a good group and we, we train really hard with Brian and mm-hmm. um, you know, we grind during the summer. So, you know, Luke, Dan Muse also talked about your defensive game that he was really impressed with how much effort you put in how you go back to pick up the puck and how you work on your edges and you can kind of elude checks uh, now and again. And I just wonder about your defensive game. You talked about overall, you know, points don't matter as much, but defensively, did you find yourself closing gaps and reading plays a little bit better this year? Um, yeah. I mean, I think obviously I, I have grown as a person and a player, um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a defenseman and, um, you know, I mean, if you're going to be a defenseman, you, you got to be really good at, at all that stuff. So, um, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a big part of my game. Um, the way I angle people at the blue line and squeeze them off and, mm-hmm. and just my, my exits and entries into the, into the zones. Um, you know, those are big parts of my game. So. Luke, I wanted to ask you about angling people out and things and not taking penalties. You had only 14 minutes this year, 10 minutes last year. You add it up. It's only 12 penalties in two years. And in the NHL, there's a defenseman, Jacob Slavin. He's six foot three on Carolina, one of the most underrated 
players on one of the biggest and most talented blue lines. And Luke, he has just one penalty this year in 32 games, only five penalties last year. So my question is, what's it like when you're like taking players out? You want to do it legally. Nick Lidstrom did it here for a long time. What's your thoughts about not taking penalties? Yeah, I mean, um, personally, I just try to stay as disciplined as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's really hard to score goals when, when you're on the kill. So, um, you know, if I, if I'm on the ice, um, you know, I'm trying to, you know, angle people off and, and do, do my part and, and hit people or, or just get the puck, um, you know, without, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, uh, by being disciplined and, and not taking penalties. Um, it's funny that you say that though, because my, my brother Jack also hasn't taken a penalty this year. So, <laughs> Yeah, and, and Quinn hard. doesn't take a lot either. Yeah, so Jack hasn't taken one. The game is changing, obviously. There's room for all kinds of defensemen, right? There's room for puck-moving defensemen. There's room for, like, um, defensive-minded defensemen like the Wings have with John Merrill and Mark Stahl. So there's, there's a makeup of so many different types of uh, defensemen. You know, I was also wanted to ask you, um, Luke, about all the media attention uh, Pre-COVID, um, the Detroit News, we brought in a lot of the NTDP stars into our TV studio in the past. That includes your brother and Cole Caulfield, yep. Trevor Zegras, Spencer Knight, Alex Vlasic, Matthew Boldy, Oliver Wallstrom, Joel Farabee, Matthias Samuelson. It goes back a long way, and you've had a lot of people who have shown you the way. How about, though, what your brothers Jack and Quinn have taught you about handling um, all of this all the media attention before the draft, which is still months away. Yeah, I mean, they're my two biggest role models. Um, you know, I've had a lot of experience with, um, you know, really good people that have kind of showed me the way and, and, and just be respectful. And um, But, you know, my brothers have taught me a lot. Um, you know, one really good point they made this year, um, especially with COVID, is that, you know, it's a really long year and, and draft year is always a long year, but with COVID it's even longer. Um, and you just got to stay level-headed and, um, you know, it's a, it's a long year and, and uh, you know, you can't really worry about um, some things that you can't control. So, you know, that, that's kind of it. That makes sense, controlling things that you, you know, that you can control. And I'm sure your teammates, you know, you are one of the leaders on the team, but I'm sure they keep you honest and, and, and they have, you know, they have goals as well on the team. Are there any other stars on that club, by the way, that, um, that are potential first rounders? Yeah. I mean, I think our entire team can get drafted. Um, you know, we have a good enough team that, um, you know, every, every player can, can, can get drafted. And I think that's our goal as a team. Um, good, good. and, uh, you know, I mean, we got a, you know, we got a really talented group. Um, you know, guys like Chaz Lucius, Dylan Duke, Sosh Pastjov, Sean Barons, you know. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think we got so many guys that, you know, can go um, pretty high. And, and, you know, yeah, that's kind of it. I also wanted to ask you just quickly about your brothers. Quinn has 28 points this year in the playoffs. He averaged almost a point per game. Jack's on that Devils team that has uh, more points from players under 23, Luke, than any other team, over 113 points. He has 17 points this year. And while you're not always measuring, you know, how they're doing offensively, could you talk a little bit about what it's like watching them play? Um, you, you mentioned in the offseason they were here and you guys were practicing a lot. But um, are you in touch with them each day? What's it like? For example, Quinn's in the midst of a 
COVID situation in Vancouver, where one of the most, uh, the newest strains of COVID is right in that mainland and the inland area of Vancouver. So it's one of the hot spots, not only in Canada, but also um, in the United States. Uh, are you in touch with them most days, uh, Luke? Yeah, I mean, I text them every day. I, I usually FaceTime them like uh, on their off days when they're not playing games, um, you know, and we just talk about, you know, normal, normal things that normal people do. Um, and, you know, obviously they're my brothers and, you know, I love them to death. And, um, um, you know, we talk all the time. We have great relationships and, you know, they're my biggest role models. So, Luke, my story for the Detroit uh, news will focus on the Red Wings. What if they uh, have another chance to draft a Hughes? It's out of your control. Ken Holland picked uh, Philip Zadina instead of uh, Quinn. What are your thoughts about possibly joining a team with Dylan Larkin, who you skated with, uh, another grad of the program, Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond, and the rest of the rebuilding wings? What if you were drafted by Detroit? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, that would be great. Um, you know, Detroit's my home. I've lived here for um, since I was in ninth grade, you know, four four years. So, um, you know, I'm going to go to the University of Michigan next year. And, um, you know, Detroit's my home, and, and it's been awesome here. So, you know, to be drafted by Detroit would be awesome. Um, you know, I can't control that, but, um, you know, it, it would be great to be picked here. But also, at the same time, there's – there's 32 great spots. So. Yeah, 100%. I wasn't going to ask you about your family background, but some of our uh, listeners may not realize uh, that your dad was the director of player development for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And your mom played in the 1992 Women's World Championships in Finland. And Luke, listen to these scores that they won by. They beat Switzerland 17-0, Norway 9-1, Finland 5-3. In the semifinals, they beat Sweden 6-4. And also in the final, they lost to Men in Riome and the Canadians 8-0. Uh, your mom made the media all-star team that year, along with Cami Granado, who's scouting for the Seattle Kraken. Your mom was a defenseman, a right-handed shooting defenseman. And in that World Championships, Luke, she also had four assists in five games. So any thoughts at all then about how your family has been there for you all the time? Your coach, Dan Muse, says your parents have taken a hands-off approach to the coaching staff. They let them uh, do their jobs while teaching you on and off the ice. So could you just maybe say something about, you know, what it's been like all these years now growing up in, de in the Detroit area and, and now just a few steps away from going to the University of Michigan? Yeah, I mean, first of all, that was a that was some crazy stats you just pulled out of there. Um, I mean, wow, uh, I I didn't really know all those stats, but uh, yeah, I mean, they they're my biggest support um, system. Um, you know, they've been been here for me, sacrificing and my brothers um, their entire life, and it's kind of paying off now. And uh, you know, I mean, as far as the coaching staff, you know, Coach Dan, um, you know, he's he's done a great job with our our team. Um, you know, he's, he's such a good communicator and, um, he's a really good person and, uh, he, he's done a great job with our group. So, um, you know, he's done a great job with me, um, you know, teaching me as the year went on, um, mm -hmm. just, just about things on ice and in life. So, um, you know, he's awesome. Luke, thanks for your time today, uh, talking to us a bit about, uh, about your brothers, your, your hockey background, your family, Coach Dan Muse. Best of luck uh, for the rest of the year and heading into the draft. And thanks again for being a guest on our podcast. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Our thanks again to Luke Hughes. Ted, the Red Wings are coming off that win you were talking about, the 5-1 win in Tampa Bay, the first regular season win in Tampa Bay 
in 10 years. One of the stars of that game was 6-6 forward Michael Rasmussen, who had a goal, five hits, and was plus two. Here's Rasmussen after the game answering your questions. Michael, this time it just feels or looks so different for you since you've been up. I mean, why is this particular stretch? I mean, why have you, why have you been so effective this time when you've been up? What do you think has been the difference? A lot of just growing, um, just growing in, in my game and uh, growing as a person. And um, yeah, not, not a whole lot. I think I'm just, uh, you know, trying to get better every day and, um, you know, really get lifted up by the guys in the room here. And um, yeah, that, that's, that's about it. I can't put a finger on it, but I'm just having fun playing hockey. So it's good. Is, this, is it safe to say this is the best you felt probably since you've been in the league? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think. I think definitely physically, I mean, I've battled some injuries and whatnot. So, um, you know, that's never fun and it never, um, you know, brings your best game out. So I feel healthy. I feel strong. Um, mentally feel good. So, yeah. It's kind of interesting. The way you're playing and, and the size that Giovanni brings and his, you know, work ethic and whatnot, and then throw urns in there too. I mean, all you guys with, with that type of size and physicality and, I mean, it really does – contribute to a roster like that. I mean, everybody talks about the speed and the quickness, but you got, I mean, you guys, I mean, a team still needs that type of physical play and stuff, don't you think? For sure, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, Smitty brings, you know, just strength, big body, obviously super tough. Um, but then he can still play, still makes plays and still plays smart. And then, uh, yeah, Ernst playing some great hockey too. He's just uh, so effective down low and, um, you know, makes good plays off the rush, pushes the pace. Uh, he's good in front of the net, good in the power play. Um, so, yeah, I think both those guys bring a lot to, to our team. And, um, yeah, we're happy to, happy to have them. Sounds good. Thanks, Michael. Ted, you talked about Rasmussen at 6'6", Giovanni Smith at 6'2", Adam Ernie having a career year. He's 6'1", all big forwards, all 215 pounds or more, all good skaters but not elite skaters. Ted, there's still room for these power forwards, right? I would think so. I've been, I got to tell you, Mark, I don't know about you, but I've been quite – I don't say quite impressed, but I've been impressed with Rasmussen here the last week or two. He's really mm. he looks like the type of guy that going forward could really fill a nice role down in that third or fourth role, just a grinding big center, very good around the net. Uh, this is probably what they envisioned when they drafted him. What is it now, four or five years ago? I mean, it's probably, he's done a nice job. I thought he had a really good series mark against Tampa. He really did. Uh, yeah, and Ernie, my goodness, what more can we say? I mean, eight goals. He seems to get on the score sheet every night. Um, sneaky, sneaky, good, sneaky, good offensive instincts. Uh, good for him. And he, he he went through a miserable, tough season last year. Snake bit, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But he's come back this year, and he's – Looks like he could be a piece that they could build upon going forward. So, yeah, when you have big bodies like that, I know it's a fast, quick game these days, and speed is so vital. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy, when you have that type of size, I don't think anybody's going to turn that aside. Finally, Ted, let's hear from goalie Thomas Grice, who made 27 saves yesterday, including that save that you wrote about on Steven Stamkos, the three-on-one break when the wings were leading one, nothing, you know, last year, Jimmy Howard finished with a two and 23 record. Grice is now three and 15 with a 3.21 goals against average and 89% save percentage. I know you haven't been around here for a lot of those losses that the wings have had in Tampa, but 
don't know. I mean, how good does it feel just to go in there and win a game in there? It's huge, you know. I mean, I was I was there when I was Stanley Cup last year, and they were one of the top teams in the league, and it's always special to beat those kind of guys. What was the difference today? What was the key? I think we played a really good game, you know, we didn't give them much. We played a tight uh, neutral zone, but a hard checking game and uh, a lot of blocks. So kind of, that's all Diva, Unreal, and our PK. It's a lot of block shots and just commitment and battle. And just last one from me. I mean, what's been, how much better do you feel in that now than you did earlier in the season? Or is it today was just a case of just getting some goals for yourself? I mean, when, you get work, when you're able to work with some goals, how big of a difference is that? It's always nice when you have a little goal support, but you know, obviously I've played well too, it helps. And you know, sometimes it's just a little luck here and there, get a little bounce, you know, hits the shaft and goes out, and then we go down the other way and uh, score a goal instead of it going in. And it's being 1 1, it's a totally different game. Sounds good. Thanks, Thomas. Ted, one last goaltending note on Friday night on the NHL Network, they'll announce the Hobie Baker Award winner. They're down to the final three. One of the 10 nominees, though, was a Red Wings draft pick, senior goalie Keith. Petrozelli, he's 6'5", a third-round pick. He started 61 straight games for Quinnipiac. What do you make of Petrozelli? We're still a long ways away from seeing another goaltender here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. But what, what have you heard about him? Uh, the, the reviews have been positive, Mark. The one good thing is he, there is steady improvement through his years in college. You definitely notice progress each and every mm-hmm. year. You know, to be a nominee for the Hobie Baker Award, uh, you know, it's college hockey's Heisman Trophy. Good for him. I mean, definitely shows the type of season he had. Uh, I know a lot of people want to see him rushed or straight to the NHL. <laughs> Look, Steve, there. I mean, Mark, you know how it is, too. Goodness gracious, that is such a tough, unique position. And you see a lot of goalies play three, four years in the minor leagues before they get their shot. Uh, He's a prospect. Uh, I think he's. I think there's a chance they'll probably sign him here soon, and you know he'll be competing for a job in Grand Rapids probably next year and whatnot. But no, I mean, like you said perfectly, it's still a long way to, before we probably see him in the NHL. But uh, you like the potential. I mean, the numbers have been good the last couple of years. Small college. That you know, to the NC, what was one of the leaders on that team and took him to the NCAA tournament. And like I said, you saw steady progress, and that's all you can ask for. So, could be a prospect road for sure. That'll do it then for today's podcast, episode 49. For more Red Wings coverage, you can check out Ted's coverage at DetroitNews.com. You'll also find us on our Octopulse Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram stories, and Snapchat. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk again Monday for our trade deadline wrap-up show.